Section four of David and His Friends. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Larry Wilson. David and His Friends, a series of revival sermons by Lewis Albert Banks. The Chaff in the Wind. The ungodly are not so but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Psalm 1, 4 My heart aches when I begin a sermon on a theme like this. It is not my message, but God's. It is not that I do not think God is just, for the chaff must fly in the wind, but the chaff is useless in God's sight and man's. But what makes my heart ache is that a man or a woman born so high should sink so low that one who had the possibility of being the good grain in God's field, that might have been useful and happy, and have become more useful and honored throughout all eternity, should have so resisted the gracious influence of God's husbandry as at last to have become of no value, and only to be compared to the chaff which the wind driveth away. There is a reference here to what has gone before. This introductory phrase is important, the ungodly are not so. That little word so has only two letters, but as it is placed here it means a great deal. David has been telling us that the godly man is blessed, that he is like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And then, following that up, he says, that the ungodly are not so. The meaning must be that an ungodly man is not like a tree planted by rivers of water. He does not bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaf does wither, and his doings will not prosper. Importance hinges on the word ungodly. Who are the ungodly? I think that many people, when they hear that word, are likely to make the mistake of excusing themselves from the term when they really belong under that head. I do not understand that it means necessarily that a man is outbreakingly and viciously wicked. One may not yet have sunk to the depths of sin, as confirmed scorner of religion, in order to come under the term ungodly. The ungodly man or woman is simply a person who does not live in the way that God demands, one whose thoughts and purposes and conduct are not in harmony with God's laws, who does not please God. One who loves God, who worships Him, who is guided day by day by His commandments, and who regulates conduct by the law of God, is a godly person, while one who is careless and indifferent, or who deliberately breaks God's laws, is ungodly. No one who is consciously a sinner against God has any authority for excusing himself from that title. If you do not love and serve God, and do not obey him up to the best light you have in his word, then certainly you are an ungodly man, or an ungodly woman, and this message tonight must be for you. It is a fearful message, but fearful as it is, it is true, and the more you study it, the more certain you will be that it is true. Let us study this figure for a little while. It is a farm picture. It is a picture of the harvest time. It was in the days before there were threshing machines. Fields were small, 
and the farmer gathered his little bunch of grain together and beat it out perhaps with one stick or club tied to another leaving a little play between the two so that the thresher held one club in his hand and the other club came down with force on the grain or perhaps he took the bundle of grain up in his hand and brought down the heads over a box or a piece of timber the grain flying out as the head struck this obstruction in either case the grain would be too heavy to be affected by the wind and would fall down on the ground in a heap but if it were at all breezy the wind would catch up the chaff and carry it away the grain remained because of its weight and character the chaff was blown away because there was nothing about it reliable or permanent and it was carried at the caprice of the wind now that is god's picture of one who for any reason is refusing all the gracious invitations of divine love and mercy and hardening the heart against him he is destroying steadily all that is good in him and in the end will be like the chaff which the wind driveth away what a graphic suggestion is here of the vanity of a sinful life the righteous man is compared to a tree with deep strong roots and wide-spreading branches bearing fruit in its season the man who loves and serves god is building up a character which is abiding like a great tree he is gathering many treasures of character and personality that can never be taken from him truth and integrity and love and faith and hope and patience and gentleness these great spiritual qualities in which god develops the christian are qualities that cannot be taken away from us by any disaster that can come money and honor and friends and health and life itself may go and all these qualities remain in their full measure but a sinful life a life that resists god's grace has nothing left that is substantial if a man gives himself up to worldliness he may be ever so successful in his ambitions but there is nothing about it that will last i have attended a great many funerals and i have attended the funerals of men and women who had been very successful in their worldly ambitions and while they lived people called them wealthy but i have never known any of their wealth to be put into their coffins a rich man goes out of the world as poor as when he came into it his wealth fails and is like the chaff which the wind driveth away physical strength is fragile in the same way often a man rejoices in his strength one week and the next he is in his grave but if he lives to be an old man with trembling hands and tottering footsteps his physical strength fails him at last and is like the chaff in the wind the same is true of physical beauty and all the attractiveness of physical life i was reading the other day the story of a woman in paris who died recently at over ninety years of age in her youth she was one of the most beautiful women in france but as she approached middle age her beauty began to fade and she would often stand with sad eyes and sinking heart before a fine painting of herself for she could not help but feel that that beautiful creation of the painter was less true to life every day finally the painting disappeared from the wall of her salon and it was afterwards learned that in her anger and despair at the loss of her beauty she had cut the picture in pieces with a pair of scissors all physical beauty is like the chaff in the wind so it is with all worldly things and with the personality which is built up by worldliness if you are rejecting jesus christ tonight 
if you are practically refusing god's offers of mercy and grace then there can be no thing about you and nothing in your personality or character that can live in happiness beyond these frail things in which you trust and when this brief worldly life is over you will be like the chaff which the wind driveth away many people who do not obey god are nevertheless very ambitious to make themselves of some account in the world but one's work must be like the chaff if it is not in harmony with god if i were to ask you tonight you would admit that while you are living this worldly and ungodly life you are doing no good and yet you might be doing so much good what a fearful waste there is in your life god has created you to do good you ought to be touching every life you meet with blessings and with helpfulness the men and women who know you and over whom you have influence ought to find it easier to be good and harder to do wrong because your life is in such sweet and beautiful harmony with righteousness and what good can you do while you are conscious all the time that you yourself are breaking god's laws and are not living at peace with him what a fearful picture this makes of the judgment day which may open upon us at any time ah but you say i do not believe that a kind and good god could punish sinners by driving them away to their sorrow is it not because you are conscious that you yourself are a sinner against god that you cherish that fond and fatal delusion the wish the proverb says is father to the thought i have noticed that most of the scepticism of people whom i have known was a sort of self-made plaster to excuse their own sins dr robert moffat the great african missionary tells how he was once preaching to makaba a powerful chief about the resurrection what claimed the african monarch in excitement what are these words about the dead the dead arise yes was moffat's reply all the dead shall arise will my father arise yes the missionary answered your father will arise will all the slain in battle arise yes and will all that have been killed and devoured by lions tigers hyenas and crocodiles again revive yes and come to judgment and will those whose bodies have been left to waste and to wither in the desert plains and scattered to the winds again arise he asked with a kind of triumph as if he had now silenced the missionary yes moffat replied not one will be left behind this he repeated with increased emphasis after looking at the missionary for a few moments Macaba turned to his people to whom he spoke with a stentorian voice hark ye wise men whoever is among you the wisest of past generations did ever your ears hear such strange and unheard of news then turning himself to moffat and laying his hand on his breast Macaba said father i love you much your presence and your visit have made my heart white as milk the words of your mouth are sweet as honey but the words of a resurrection are too great to be heard i do not wish to hear again about the dead rising the dead cannot arise the dead must not arise why 
moffat inquired can so great a man refuse knowledge and turn away from wisdom tell me my friend why must i not speak of a resurrection raising and uncovering his arm which had been strong in battle and shaking his hand as if quivering a spear he replied i have slain my thousands and shall they arise this man did not dare to believe in the resurrection because the resurrection meant that he must face the men whom he had slain god could not be the good god that you dream of if he did not make a difference between chaff and wheat it is not that god is not good but that the ungodly man has failed to avail himself of god's goodness has sinned against god's goodness and mercy and has brought ruin upon himself you say that chaff cannot help being chaff yes but the man can you will not be chaff unless you choose to be chaff god did not make you to be chaff he made you in his own likeness an image and when you had wandered from him by wicked ways jesus christ wrought out your salvation on the cross and though you have marred and hurt your nature by your sins and your iniquities have separated you from god he sends me in his great mercy to-night to offer you salvation in the name of jesus christ and if you will turn from your ungodliness and become through his love a new creature in christ jesus he shall plant you in his garden and you will become a tree planted by the rivers of waters and you will begin to build up a character strong and brave and pure you will begin to live a life that is useful and blessed but if you refuse all this it will not be god's edict or arbitrary decision that sends you away on the winds into darkness at last but it will be your own fault it will be because you refuse to be saved and would not hearken to god's reproofs and would not accept his mercy you are not a mere machine god has made you with this power to choose and you can choose life or death you can choose whether you will be the wheat in the garner or the chaff which the wind driveth away i pray god that the holy spirit may show you how plain and yet how fearful is this controversy between god and your soul god is saying to you strive to enter in at the straight gate but you are saying by your conduct if not by your words i will not christ is saying look unto me and be saved and your answer when you refuse these invitations is i will not christ is tenderly calling to you come unto me and i will give you rest but you stiffen your neck and say i will not jesus is saying to you seek ye first the kingdom of god but your reply is i will not sharper than a two-edged sword the spirit of god is causing your conscience to say to you to-night repent and be converted but you say i will not tenderly pleadingly god says turn ye turn ye why will ye die and you shut your teeth together and say i will not turn christ lovingly whispers to you take up your cross and follow me but you shut your eyes to the marks of the thorns on his brow and the blood stains on his garments and the nail prints in his hands and say i will not 
Give me thine heart, says God, and you say I will not. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, is the appeal of Christ, but you say I will not. Suppose this goes on, and you become only more worldly, and life passes, and death knocks at the door, and hastens you away into eternity, and God pronounces you to be only chaff which the wind driveth away. Is it not true that you will have to say, Amen, to your own condemnation? Do not, I pray you, store up such wrath against the day of wrath for your soul. End of section 4